Chapter 19, verses 23 through 30 of Catina Aria, Commentary on the Four Gospels, Collected Out of the Works of the Fathers by St. Thomas Aquinas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Verses 23 through 26. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Gloss. The Lord took occasion from this rich man to hold discourse concerning the covetous. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, etc. Chrysostom. What he spoke was not condemning riches in themselves, but those who were enslaved by them, also encouraging his disciples that being poor they should not be ashamed by reason of their poverty. Hilary, to have riches is no sin, but moderation is to be observed in our havings. For how shall we communicate to the necessities of the saints if we have not out of what we may communicate? Rabanus, but though there be a difference between having and loving riches, yet it is safer neither to have nor to love them. Rigmigius, once in Mark, the Lord, expounding the means of this saying, speaks thus, It is hard for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of heaven. They trust in riches who build all their hopes on them. Jerome, because riches once gained are hard to be despised. He saith not it is impossible, but it is hard. Difficulty does not imply the impossibility but points out the infrequency of the occurrence. Hilary, it is a dangerous toil to become rich, and guiltlessness occupied in increasing its wealth has taken upon itself a sore burden. The servant of God gains not the things of the world, clear of the sins of the world. Hence is the difficulty of entering the kingdom of heaven. Chrysostom, having said that it was hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven, he now proceeds to show that it is impossible and again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Jerome. According to this, no rich man can be saved. But if we read Isaiah, how the camels of Midian and Ephra came to Jerusalem with gifts and presents, and they who once were crooked and bowed down by the weights of their sins enter the gates of Jerusalem, we shall see how these camels, to which the rich are likened, when they have laid aside the heavy load of sins and the distortion of their whole bodies, they then enter by that narrow and straight way that leads to life. Pseudo-Chrysostom The Gentile souls are likened to the deformed body of the camel, in which is seen the humpback of idolatry, for the knowledge of God is the exaltation of the soul. The needle is the Son of God, the fine point of which is his divinity, and the thicker part what he is according to his incarnation. But it is altogether straight and without turning, and through the womb of his passion the Gentiles have entered into life eternal. By this needle is shown the robe of immortality. It is this needle that has sown the flesh to the spirit, that has joined together the Jews and the Gentiles, and coupled man in friendship with angels. It is easier, therefore, for the Gentiles to pass through the needle's eye than for the rich Jews to enter into the kingdom of heaven. For if the Gentiles are with such difficulty withdrawn from the irrational worship of idols, 
how much more hardly shall the Jew be withdrawn from the reasonable service of God. Gloss, it is explained otherwise, that at Jerusalem there was a certain gate called the Needle's Eye, through which a camel could not pass, but on its bended knees, and after its burden had been taken off. And so the rich should not be able to pass along the narrow way that leads to life, till he had put off the burden of sin and of riches, that is, by ceasing to love them. Gregory, or by the rich man he intends any one who is proud, by the camel he denotes the right humility. The camel passed through the needle's eye, when our Redeemer, through the narrow way of suffering, entered in to the taking upon him death, for that passion was as a needle which pricked the body with pain. But the camel enters the needle's eye easier than the rich man enters the kingdom of heaven, because if he had not first shown us by his passion the form of his humility, our proud stiffness would never have bent itself to his lowliness. Chrysostom, the disciples, though poor, are troubled for the salvation of others, beginning even now to have the bowels of doctors. Augustine, whereas the rich are few in comparison of the multitude of the poor, we must suppose that the disciples understood all who wish for riches, as included in the number of the rich. Chrysostom, this therefore he proceeds to show is the work of God, their needing much grace to guide a man in the midst of riches. But Jesus beheld them, and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. By the word beheld them, the evangelist conveys that he soothed their troubled soul by his merciful eye. Rigmigius, this must not be so understood as though it were possible for God to cause that the rich, the covetous, the avarice, and the proud should enter into the kingdom of heaven but to cause him to be converted, and so enter. Chrysostom, and this is not said that you should sit supplinely, and let alone what may seem impossibilities, but considering the greatness of righteousness, you should strive to enter in with entreaty to God. Verses 27 through 30. Then answered Peter, and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all, and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon seven thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And every one that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Origin. Peter had heard the word of Christ when he said, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell all that thou hast. Then he observed that the young man had departed sorrowful, and considered the difficulty of riches entering into the kingdom of heaven. And thereupon he put this question confidently as one who had achieved no easy matter. For though what he with his brother had left behind him were but little things, yet were they not esteemed as little with God, who considered that out of the fullness of their love they had so forsaken those least things, as they would have forsaken the greatest things if they had had them. So Peter, thinking rather of his will than of the intrinsic value of the sacrifice, asked him confidently, Behold, we have left all. Chrysostom, What was this all, O blessed Peter? The reeds, your nets, and boat? But this he says, not to call to mind his own magnanimity, but in order to purpose the cause of the multitude of the poor, 
a poor man might have said if i have not i cannot become perfect peter therefore puts this question that you poor man may learn that you are in nothing behind for he had already received the kingdom of heaven and therefore secure of what was already there he now asks for the whole world and see how carefully he frames his question after christ's requirements christ required two things of a rich man to give what he had to the poor and to follow him wherefore he adds and have followed thee origin it may be said in all things which the father revealed to peter that the son was righteousness sanctification and the like in all we have followed thee therefore as a victorious athlete he now asks what are the prizes of his contest to rome because to forsake is not enough he adds that which makes perfection and have followed thee we have done what thou commandest us what reward wilt thou then give us what shall we have jerome he said not only ye who have left all for this did the philosopher crates and many other who have despised riches but added have followed me which is particular to the apostles and believers hilary the disciples had followed christ in the regeneration that is in the laver of baptism in the sanctification of faith for this is that regeneration which the apostles followed and which the law could not bestow jerome or it may be constructed thus ye which have followed me shall in the regeneration sit etc that is when the dead shall rise from corruption incorrupt you also shall sit on thrones of judges condemning the twelve tribes of israel for that they would not believe when you believed augustine thus our flesh will be regenerated by incorruption as our soul also shall be regenerated by faith pseudo chrysostom for it would come to pass that in the day of judgment the jews would allege lord we knew thee not to be the son of god when thou wast in the flesh for who can discern a treasure buried in the ground or the sun when obscured by a cloud the disciples therefore will then answer we also were men and peasants obscure among the multitude but you priests and scribes but in us a right will became as it were a lamp of our ignorance but your evil will became to you a blinding of your science chrysostom he therefore said not the gentiles and the whole world but the tribes of israel because the apostles and the jews had been brought up under the same laws and customs so that when the jews should plead that they could not believe in christ because they were hindered by their law the disciples will be brought forward who had the same law but someone may say what great thing is this when both the ninevites and the queen of the south will have the same he had before and will again promise them the highest rewards and even now he tactly conveys something of the same for of those others he had only said and they shall sit and shall condemn this generation but he now says to the disciples when the son of man shall sit ye also shall sit it is clear then that they shall reign with him and shall share in that glory for it is such honor and glory unspeakable that he intends by the thrones how is this promise fulfilled shall judas sit among them by no means for the law was thus ordained of the lord by jeremiah the prophet i will speak it upon my people and upon the kingdom that i may build and plant it but if it do evil in my sight then will i repent me of the good which i said i would do to them 
as much as to say, if they make themselves unworthy of the promise, I will no more perform that I promised. But Judas showed himself unworthy of the preeminence. Wherefore, when he gave this promise to his disciples, he did not promise it absolutely. For he said not, Ye shall sit, but ye which have followed me shall sit, at once excluding Judas, and admitting such as should be in after time. For neither was the promise confirmed to them only, nor yet did it include Judas, who had already shown himself undeserving. Hilary, their following Christ, in thus exalting the apostles to twelve thrones, to judge the twelve tribes of Israel, associated them in the glory of the twelve patriarchs. Augustine, from this passage we learn that Jesus will judge with his disciples, whence he says in another place to the Jews, Therefore shall they be your judges. And whereas he says they shall sit upon twelve thrones, we need not think that twelve persons only shall judge with them, for by the number twelve is signified the whole number of those that shall judge. And because that the number seven, which generally represents completeness, contains the two numbers four and three, which multiplied together make twelve, for if it were not so, as Matthias was elected into the place of the traitor Judas, the apostle Paul who labored more than they all should not have place to sit to judge. But he shows that he with the rest of the saints pertains to the number of judges, when he says, Know ye not that we shall judge angels? Id. In the number of judges, therefore, are included all that have left their all and followed the Lord. Gregory, for whosoever urged by the spur of divine love shall forsake what he possesses here, shall without doubt gain there the eminence of judicial authority, and shall appear as judge with the judge. For that he now, in consideration of the judgment, chastens himself by a voluntary poverty. Augustine, the same holds good by reason of this number twelve, of those that are to be judged. For when it is said, judging the twelve tribes, it is not to the tribe of Levi, which is the thirteenth, to be exempt from being judged by them, nor shall they judge this nation alone, and not also other nations. Pseudo Chrysostom. Or by that, in the regeneration, Christ designs the period of Christianity that should be after his ascension, in which men were regenerated by baptism, and that is the time in which Christ sat on the throne of his glory. And hereby you may see that he spake not of the time of the judgment to come, but of the calling of the Gentiles, in that he said not, When the Son of Man shall come, sitting upon the throne of his majesty, but only in the regeneration when he shall sit, which was from the time that the Gentiles began to believe on Christ. According to that, God shall reign over the heathen. God sitteth upon his holy throne. From that time also the apostles have sat upon twelve thrones, that is, over all Christians, for every Christian who receives the word of Peter becomes Peter's throne, and so of the rest of the apostles. On these thrones then the apostles sit, parceled into twelve divisions, from the variety of minds and hearts, known to God only. For as the Jewish nation was split into twelve tribes, so is the whole Christian people divided into twelve, so as that some souls are numbered with the tribe of Reuben, and so of the rest, according to their several qualities. For all have not all graces alike. One is excellent in this, another in that. And so the apostles will judge the twelve tribes of Israel, that is, all the Jews. By this, that the Gentiles receive the apostles' word. The whole body of Christians are indeed twelve thrones for the apostles. 
but one throne for Christ. For all excellencies are but one throne for Christ. For he alone is equally perfect in all virtues. But of the apostles, each one is more perfect in some one particular excellence. As Peter in faith, so Peter tests upon his faith. John in his innocence, and so of the rest. And that Christ spake of reward to be given to the apostles in this world is shown by what follows. And every one that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, etc. For if these shall receive an hundredfold in this life, without doubt to the apostles also was promised a reward in this present life. Chrysostom, or he holds out rewards in the future life to the apostles, because they were already looking above, and desired nothing of things present. But to others he promises things present. Origin, or otherwise whosoever shall leave all and follow Christ, he also shall receive those things that were promised to Peter. But if he has not left all, but only those things in special here enumerated, he shall receive manifold, and shall possess eternal life. Jerome. There are that take occasion from this passage to bring forward the thousand years after the resurrection, and say that then we shall have a hundredfold of the things we have given up, and moreover life eternal. But though the promise be in other things worthy, in the matter of wives it seems to have somewhat shameful, if he who has forsaken one wife for the Lord's sake shall receive a hundred in the world to come. The meaning is therefore that he that has forsaken carnal things for the Savior's sake shall receive spiritual things, which in the comparison of value are as a hundred to a small number. Origin and in this world, because for his brethren after the flesh ye shall find many brethren in the faith, for parents, all the bishops and presbyters, for sons, all that have the age of sons. The angels also are brethren, and all they are sisters that have offered themselves chaste virgins to Christ, as well as they that still continue on earth, as they that now live in heaven. The houses and lands manifold more suppose in the repose of paradise and the city of God, and besides all these things they shall possess eternal life. Augustine, that he says an hundredfold is explained by the apostle when he says, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. For a hundred is sometimes put for the whole universe. Jerome, and that, and every one that hath forsaken brethren, agrees with that he had said before, I am come to set a man at variance with his father. For they who, for the faith of Christ and the preaching of the gospel, shall despise all the ties, the riches, and pleasures of this world, they shall receive an hundredfold, and shall possess eternal life. Chrysostom. But when he says, He that has forsaken wife, it is not to be taken of actual severing of the marriage tie, but that we should hold the ties of the faith dearer than any other. And here is, I think, a covert allusion to times of persecution, for because there shall be many who would draw away their sons to heathenism, when that shall happen, they should be held neither as fathers nor husbands. Rabanus, but because many with what zeal they take up the pursuit of virtue, do not with the same complete it, but either grow cold or fall away rapidly, it follows, but many that are first shall be last, and the last first. Origin. By this he exhorts those that come late to the heavenly word to haste to ascend to perfection before many whom they see 
to have grown old in the faith. This sense may also overthrow those that boast to have been educated in Christianity by Christian parents, especially if those parents have filled the Episcopal See or the office of priests or deacons in the church, and hinder them from desponding who have entertained the Christian doctrines more newly. It is also another meaning. The first are the Israelites, who became last because of their unbelief, and the Gentiles who were last became first. He is careful to say many, for not all who are first shall be last, nor all last first. For because this have many of mankind, who by nature are the last, being made by an angelic life above the angels, and some angels who were first have been made last through their sin. Rigmigius. It may also be referred in particular to the rich man, who seemed to be first by his fulfillment of the precepts of the law, but was made last by his preferring his worldly substance to God. The holy apostles seemed to be last, but by leaving all they were made first by the grace of humility. There are many who, having entered upon good works, fall therefrom, and from having been first become last. End of chapter 19